Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and we are back in 1 Corinthians today in chapter number 2, starting off verse number 1. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, for the opportunity we have to get into your word and to be able to study those things out to, to grow. Lord, we thank you for how we're going to be introduced to Paul at this point from Paul's own perspective. Father, to help us in our thinking realize that we often make men huge that really aren't. We tend to idolize people and, and create an image of them that is so much greater than who they actually are. And bless us together as one in Christ this day as we study your word. Amen. So just as I said, folks, the the Apostle Paul is somebody that we would think of as being monolithic. We would think of him as as very powerful man, as very strong and and stout man, a man of faith that that would run into any challenge and just tackle it with both hands on the horns and just wrestle the bull, so to speak. But Paul doesn't give us that idea here in First Corinthians chapter number two. As we begin in verse number 1 and work our way down to verse number 5, the scripture says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I think that this is so exciting that we get an opportunity to be able to see this side of Paul, because in, in multitudes of his letters and the many writings that he has, you see this very strong analytical logic that is being applied to the Word of God in so much that it is not necessarily Paul trying to reason through these things with some great wisdom, but that Paul would, would reason through the Word of God based on what it says and simply laying out the reality of God's Word for what it says. So it's, it's really exciting to think that when he presents himself to the people at Corinth, that he reveals himself as a person that, that comes to them in weakness. Whereas we would often think of the Apostle Paul as some brazen, arms back, chest pushed out, threatening demeanor that would say, uh, my way, no highway option. Here we see that Paul is talking about his presentation in weakness. We see that that he re represents himself as, as being a fearful man and a man who is kind of... Uh, concerned about his own inabilities to do what God is calling him to do. Now, on the other hand of this, before the Apostle Paul comes to faith in Jesus, he is a brazen man. He is that bull in the china shop that's grabbing the Christian, Christian bull, so to speak, by the horns and jerking it down. He is 
he presents himself as a conqueror. But after his receiving Christ and coming unto salvation, you see a whole different man. And that's a priceless truth in itself because all of us upon receiving Jesus Christ ought to have become totally different people than who we were before we received Christ. Because that displays that transforming power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he goes on in verse number four to reveal that. He said, my speech, in other words, the way in which he communicates with the people and my preaching, the word of God that he's communicating were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. It doesn't mean that they weren't persuasive words. Obviously, he did persuade men because he, he people were receiving his gospel message and, and they were turning to faith in Christ. But his persuasion was not through the Greek means by which they would argue unto a reasoning and and. Through rhetoric, one would gain the upper hand and thus it would have to be conceded in his point. Not the case at all. The persuasion that is happening is not from human wisdom, but from the Holy Spirit that is speaking into the souls of those that are audience to Paul's preaching. And that is extremely important for us to understand that that. Is the Holy Spirit that is going to do the, the impact on a person's hearts, the Holy Spirit that's going to touch that person's life, not necessarily those things which we say or speak. And so that it's necessary for us to utilize the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can grab a hold of their hearts for it is for it is written by the same Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 10 in verse number 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, uh, it's very powerful, your testimony. is Your testimony is very important. And your testimony ought to be shared about how you came to faith in Christ. But as you share that testimony to grab a hold of the, the physical senses of a person, to grab a hold of their ears, and to cause their heart to be opened unto what you're, what you're telling them, as you're sharing your personal testimony, you must interlace that with the Word of God because the Word of God is what is going to impact their heart into the persuasion of desiring the Jesus that you have. You share your testimony and people say it was a great story, but they they thrive off of the stories of people's lives anyways. That's what movies are all about and that's what makes billions of dollars in box office hits is, is the lives of characters and the lives of other people. So we always love to hear about personal testimonies. We love to hear about uh, personal triumphs and and victories and 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 we we sorrow with those who go through tragedies but if we do not interlace the reality of our victory through the word of god that brought us that victory then we're not doing any good for the other person who hears about the victory but does not have any idea how to achieve that same victory in their own life so we must be preaching 
And our speech must be a demonstration of the spirit and power of God. And and his whole point in verse 5 is that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. It should be in the power of God. You should not, through this message today, if you watch the preacher's corner, at any given point be persuaded by the things that I say apart from the Word of God. You ought to be touched by the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, drawing you to these scriptures and saying, pay attention to this point, and, and pulling at your heartstrings by the demonstration of the power of God in you that's, that's, that's pulling you or are calling you or you name it and one of the important important things to note about this first section of the proclamation of christ being crucified is this in verse number two he said i determined not to know anything among you now this is entirely important because when paul is preaching to the corinthian people he is not preaching on their personal lives he's not preaching on personal sins that are happening within the body per se he's not he's not targeting or singling out any one given person or people group and and the reason why is because he said i determined not to know anything among you <laughs> and i'm not listening to the rumors i'm not listening to the the filth, I'm not listening to the gossip, I'm not interested in knowing anything else among you. I don't want to know where you're working, I don't I don't want to know where, where you're, you're, you're partying, where, where you're fighting, or what have you. I don't want to know anything among you except there's this one thing that Paul wants to know. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to know your salvation story. I, I want to know your connection to the faith. I want to encourage that part of you. Now, the Apostle Paul knows well that when a person receives Christ and becomes a child of God through being born again, right? He he understands that that this flesh has spent however many years thriving in its in its lust of its eyes its lust of its flesh and its pride of life and so all of you are the same in this same category alongside of me i didn't receive christ until i was 23 years old and so that before that 23 years of age i was in a skateboard and i was into punk i was into metal i was into uh, all all kinds of other things that that would cause you to turn around and run from me that was nothing good no not one that was happening here and and so at that point of receiving Jesus Christ a great transformation took place but there was also a great battle that that began to wage in, in within because there is this this holiness of the the spirit that is moved in to take over the wretchedness of this flesh and the wretchedness of this flesh immediately raised up to say i'm not gonna obey and so that the holy spirit would then work alongside of jason to suppress the the nature of this flesh 
and bring Jason more into surrender of the Holy Spirit's power so that this child of God can then become a productive servant in God's kingdom. Well, a lot of people reach that position where they have received the Holy Spirit. They, they have been born again, but they allow the nature of the flesh to get the upper hand. And, and at best, they could only be considered as a nominal Christian at, at best. But usually those would be they who fall back from from the kingdom service and just occasionally show up to church every now and then. Regardless of, of how these people are responding to the power of the Holy Spirit, regardless of how these people are, are either working with God, for God, and through God, or just showing up to warm a pew, Paul said, I don't want to know any of that. I don't want to know anything about you except for two things. I want to know Jesus Christ in you, and I want to know the crucifixion of Christ in his power that has resurrected you. That's the only two things I want to know about your congregation. All the other junk can, that if we get those two things straight, all the other junk will be ironed out. I just want to know those two things about you. In verse number 6, in reading down, this is a really exciting place. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> this is so fantastic because we're still dealing with wisdom. And of course, on Wednesdays, we have Wisdom Wednesdays going through the book of Proverbs because wisdom is the principal thing. Remember that in Proverbs chapter number four. Wisdom is the principal thing. He said, therefore, get wisdom. But he says, with all your getting, get understanding and the reason is is because the people the jews of this day firmly believed that they were wise they, they believed in the power of their wisdom and keep in mind that that the apostle paul is not far from being a pharisee of the jewish sects and so you'll you'll see that that paul understood well that the jews in the in the seeking after the signs that they saw were also those that believed themselves to be very wise because of their understandings. And so that they would try to baffle their, their synagogues with the great wisdom that they had and that they would try to lift themselves up so that they would be seen as someone of stature because of the great wisdom that they had concerning God. But Paul said, "...we speak wisdom among those who are mature." Uh, mature as concerning the faith. In other words, he's not talking about babes in Christ, but he's talking about full-fledged servants and disciples of Yeshua, Jesus. He said, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. In other words, we're not working through the Greek philosophies or the, the Roman philosophies of the, of the greats of this age, or nor are we speaking of the philosophers of, 
of the the Jewish peoples, he says, we're not speaking wisdom of the rulers of this age, which are all coming to nothing. I think that is so fantastic when he, he makes known that all of the wisdom of this world during the ages that he lived in or in the ages to come, those days which we live in, all of this wisdom that the world has is coming to nothing. You think about the wisdom of the world that has brought forth the ideas of things that, that try to explain away God, such as the multitudes of ways in which they try to explain uh, the population of the world and the world itself through evolution. Or you, you think about the multitudes of wisdoms that would come from different groups like like uh, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible of the Hindu people, or or all of these other, like the wisdom of Joseph Smith after his writings of, of the Book of Mormon and the, the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrines and Covenants that all work together to, to show so many contradictions and so, so much falsehood. And one of the really cool things, had a brother, a brother of, the, of the church that I'm with right now that, that came just the other day and he was looking through because I have... I have a Book of Mormon. I've I've got the the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrines and Covenants. And it's really exciting. He was looking through and he was like, "But this is true. This is right." And it was referring to to Jesus. There was an excerpt, and I've got a lot of these different things highlighted and and paper clipped and all kinds of information that's in the book. And he said, "But this is true, and this is right." And I said, "You're correct, because often you'll find that Satan uses uses truths." to tell his lies and so that you would find a truth that is written in one of these different things much like i can open the bhagavad gita and give you some pretty pretty good advice some pretty good wisdom that would be written in there the problem is is it's the wisdom of this age like paul said i'm not giving you the wisdom of this age and that would be what it would be the wisdom of this age but not the wisdom of Christ and and what is the difference between the two one may give you some principles to live by that will make you a better person in this life but one is going to transform you into a child of God that will give you an eternal inheritance and protect you from the life that is to come uh, that that's kind of vitally different and important to understand together and so that you you come to this place where where you've you've got a little bit of truth mixed in to a great vast amount of lies uh, does that little bit of truth give you the ability to overcome the multitude of lies that that would be packed around it and the answer is uh, found in a 9 by 11 casserole dish of of brownies right what you're going to do is you're going to take a, a brownie mix and you're going to mix up a bowl of brownies. It's going to be really good. You get your favorite brownie mix together and you mix it up. The only thing that you do is you go out into to your yard or the neighbor's yard and you find a little pile of dog poop there and, and you put it into the mix and then you mix it in to the mix and then you 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 pour it out into the the pan and then you bake it up and 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 when it's done it's gonna look like a gorgeous tasty brownie mix hallelujah now when i offer you that brownie mix uh, are you going to be willing to eat it when i offer you those brownies are you going to be interested in eating them 
<laughs> now, after you have already discovered, because I just finished telling you how I prepared those brownies, you probably are not going to be likely willing to eat those brownies because you're not going to know where that pile of poop that was put in the mix, you're not going to know where in the brownies it might be found. And besides, it's, it's in the brownies anyways. You, 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 no matter how good looking, no matter how great smelling, uh, no matter how how that is covered, put a little icing on top and just makes it so gorgeous. No, no matter what, you're not going to eat that because you can't be certain of where the bad stuff is in, within the good stuff. That's exactly the way a lot of these uh, religions are with a lot of their writings, which are all the wisdom of this age, but not the wisdom of God. And so we must be extremely careful how we perceive and how we receive those things that are not of God. We are called as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ as we have willingly surrendered and submitted our hearts unto Jesus to be our king. And so it is vital for us to study his word, to study his ways, to, to live out his word in our own life as becoming ambassadors for his kingdom so that we are a people prepared to help others realize the dangers of the wisdom that they're following after so that they may be transformed by the maturity of the wisdom that is in Christ. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us here. He says in verse number 7, but we speak the wisdom of God. Now we speak this wisdom in a mystery. And that word mystery means something hidden, something not yet revealed. He said we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And then he, he defines that, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, this hidden wisdom that he's referring to isn't hidden at all. This hidden wisdom that he's talking about is Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. This wisdom that he's speaking of is the blessing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's that simple. And, and thus he says, in verse number 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known that mystery of the wisdom of God, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they would have recognized the power of God in Yeshua, they wouldn't have crucified him. But there and again, there's a wisdom of understanding that it was necessary for Yeshua to have to be crucified. You see, the plan of God required the sacrifice of his son. And this was understood from before day one was even created. And so that God would, would have this consideration before he even made man and understanding that man and his choice would fall and that man would need to be redeemed and and Yeshua Jesus being willing before the foundation of the world to redeem man by offering his own life uh, as a as a cover or a price that was paid for the wrath of God the redemption of man, Jesus stepped between us and God and, and took the fullness of his wrath to be able to give us the completeness of his life. 
That's insane. That's insane that God loved us that much because in many ways we would not have done that. In many ways we would not have done that. But this is the length of which God is willing to go in order to receive us again as his children. And glory be to God, our King. He says this, and it's a very powerful truth of Scripture, and it's a joy we've often quoted. We, we speak of this in, in our lives. And may this verse speak into your life today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And thus we come to an understanding of the way in which we are connected to the, the understanding of the intimate things of God. It's not by the reasoning of man, and it's not through human understanding. Those things that we understand concerning God are understood only through the power of the Holy Spirit. For we could never at a point in our life before we came to understand them say that we knew about them or understood them. It is only when the Holy Spirit brings them to us as revelation and causes us to be able to understand that we can know anything about God. And so it was the Holy Spirit that brought us to an understanding of our need for salvation so that we could be saved. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus to us in such a way as that it he, he became real to us and we knew that we needed to receive him. It was the Holy Spirit who did this work, this great work in us. And even though it came down to a decision that we would have to make as to rather receive or reject or rather to, to accept or deny, even when it comes down to that, still it is by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and still it is by the, the, the leading of the Spirit that we could even possibly come to that decision. It is through God that we have received the ability to even gain an understanding of his word and of his power and and so that through that rather we we understand the great love that God has for us you see that that, that there is no possible way that that we could explain what God has prepared for us for he said, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him you have no idea what it's going to be like <laughs> you can sit back and ponder you can sit back and wonder you can sit back and 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 think on those on on what heaven's going to be like what the throne room is going to be like me me and jeff we were talking about this just the other week is that none of us can can be ready for exactly what we're going to experience because our eyes have never seen such a glory as that our ear has never heard such a such a powerful place as that it's never even possibly entered into our heart to, to be able to grasp those things that are prepared for us as we love God. You know, the, the very simple fact of the, the meagerness of the love that a human can, can give to Almighty God is enough for Almighty God to, 
to be prepared to love him back with with his nature and and we just don't understand it we just don't know but praise god we can revel in it hallelujah we can rejoice in it we don't have to know it in order to know that we have received it we don't have to understand the fullness of a thing to be able to rejoice in the in the pieces that we are given and the little bits that we're able to know oh praise god to have just a little itty bitty nugget is enough to be able to cause us to have the thrill of our life while we're in this life. And so these things, as they come to us, they come to us in the knowledge of the Spirit, not with man's wisdom. Nothing about God is detailed in man's wisdom. Nothing. Everything of God is demonstrated through the Spirit, is demonstrated through power, is demonstrated through the the working of God, just like it was recognized over by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 5 as concerning the, the salvation that we have by faith. He says that even while we were yet sinners, God would die, or Jesus would die for the ungodly. He said, God demonstrated his love toward us in this manner. God demonstrates. This is a demonstration of of his power unto salvation. It's awesome. It's just awesome. He says to us right now, "What, What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. (laughs) <laughs> we we know people by the way in which they display themselves to us we know people by the things that they speak so that we receive from who they are by what they say we know people from from the intimate details of our own heart and the reality that 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 hearts are connected together in the nature of sins we could pretty well guess what's going to happen next in a person especially someone that's really close to us because it's something that we would have done And so we can know people by those things that are of the spirit of man and people by their intellect, by the way that they think. And we discover how they're thinking and we can begin to think in in their place or think ahead of them. Uh, It's how chess games are won. It's, It's how a lot of things are won in this life. So we can know the things of man because we have connection to the spirit of man. But now being born again, we can know God because we have connection through the spirit of God. We don't have to rely on the intellect of man anymore because we now have connection to the intellect of God. Isn't that exciting? We now, through the born-again experience of salvation, we now have direct connection with God. That's nothing short of thrilling. And if that doesn't thrill your soul, then you're broken. You need Jesus. Because we have connection with the infinite, with the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit in us. We can now think the way God thinks. We can now interact with God in a manner that is is in similarity to God because we have the Holy Spirit of God within us. And we can be empowered by God at His will to be able to accomplish anything and everything you could possibly imagine in this world because He lives in us. You know why Christianity seems pretty anemic in the United States today? Why it seems pretty watered down and why it seems 
quite honestly, a little bit pathetic, is because we've not given over ourselves to God. We've, we've not connected with God in spirit. We've not listened to God. We, we have every ability to do this, but we've simply remained within the confines of human understanding. And I think oftentimes it's because we're afraid of what could happen if we gave in to God. Look down. He says, verse number 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Listen very carefully to this because you'll hear me throughout the time of ministry as as I begin to share. You'll hear this come back so many times because this is a place that often I will go to when you come to me and say, why don't they understand? I've been sharing the gospel with my friends. I've been sharing the gospel with with my family members. I've been trying to share the gospel with, with this person or with that person. And why, why don't they get it? I mean, I understand it. I received the gospel, the same gospel I'm sharing with them. I received, I don't understand what they're missing. And he tells you right here in verse number 14, but the natural man, this, this, the natural man, this is a person that has not received Christ. This is a person that is that is what we call lost, that, that has not come to faith in Jesus Christ, that has rejected the, the message of the gospel, odds are they, have, they are or have believed in a method of evolutionary process because really the only direction that you can go in outside of Jesus is evolution, or they are indoctrinated with with uh, mysticism from near Eastern religions such as Buddhism or Taoism, Shintoism of Japan, or Hinduism. So that they're either believing in a multitude of different philosophies, or they're they're a follower of evolution. They've rejected God. They want nothing to do with it. That's a natural man. And the scripture shows us in verse number 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of God, or let me back that up. I want you to get it word for word. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. <clears throat> Throughout many years of, of, of the past, People have used the Word of God. Archaeologists have used the Word of God. English professors have used the Word of God as a means to be able to demonstrate the, the Elizabethan English, the beauty of, of English, or they've used it to be able to discover the, the landmarks that would be necessary to be able to dig and find uh, ancient civilizations that, that no other documents are even mention or speak of outside of the Bible, which is a very important point, <clears throat> so that the Word of God is used in many different ways to be able to, to discover this world around us. And yet, 
The people using it for those ends are not using it according to God's wisdom, but are only using it for man's wisdom and ways, and, and do not believe in the God whom that Bible reveals. Therefore, they, they cannot receive of those things of the Spirit of God, for they consider them foolishness. And until they accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible to them will be a very closed book. They'll be able to get their markers, they'll be able to find their civilizations, but they'll not receive any of the glory of the, the Word of God. It'll just it'll be a closed book, even though they've got it wide open, because the only way in which we can truly receive of anything that comes from the Bible is through the Spirit of God that connects us with, with God through His Word. So it's very important for us to understand that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And those things would be the truths of salvation that would come from the Scripture, the truth of God and His nature and His person that are going to come from the Scripture. He says, nor can they he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And thus it comes to verse number 15. And he says, but he who is spiritual, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. It doesn't mean that he isn't going to face a judgment by everyone in this world. If you are a, a firm believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to face judgments that are rendered against you from this world. You're going to be called a nutball. You're going to be called crazy. You're going to be called uh, foolish. You're going to be, you're going to be judged from a, a great many different angles and you're going to be judged by this world because they're going to despise the things that are coming out of your mouth. They're going to despise the wisdom of God. They're going to despise the things of God. They're going to despise the fact that you seem to have a more intimate connection with those things that you're talking about because they are a part of you and the people despising you would desire to have them be a part of them, but they don't understand it because they're they're still caught in the natural estate. They're still separated from God's glory. So while you're bringing the glory of God into their lives, they, like cockroaches hiding in the darkness, are, are really frustrated with you because you're exposing them to the light of God, and they're going to kick back. They're going to lash back at you. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus when they were talking over in John chapter number 3. He says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil continually. And so that we understand that, that Jesus came to bring forth light unto all the, the peoples there that he was trying to reach in the world. And, and because of their love of darkness, they repelled that light. They said, no, we don't want you. Even though they were a people who should have recognized him, even though they were a people who should have, in their understanding from the scriptures that they'd been studying, readily received him as their Messiah, those are the very people that shoved him away and pushed him away and said, no, we don't want anything to do with you. But oddly enough... <laughs> The Samaritans were the people who received him. The Gadarenes, that maniac of Gadara, he is the person that received him. The, the, the blind man, the, the, the man who, who trusted in Jesus, whose son would cast himself into the fire with fits of epilepsy. The, <clears throat> the Roman centurion, where Jesus would say, I've not seen so, so much faith in all of Israel. The, 
all of these other people outside of his own people are, are coming to him, believing in him and following him in the faith. But his own people said, no, we don't want you here. We've got our own jive. And, and he goes down, he says, he who spiritually judges all things. Oh, by the way, we are called to judge all things. <laughs> I'll get into that tomorrow, though. He says, uh, verse number 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It's <laughs> a good question. But we have the mind of Christ. Psalm 19 says, Who could understand his errors? Who could know? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who's going to teach God where he's gone wrong? <laughs> These things we'll have to discuss and more tomorrow in 1 Corinthians. I believe we're going to run over and start off in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. It's a really great place dealing with judgment. I really want to get there. Uh, but this is a huge question, isn't it? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? You just think on that one. Put it in the comments what you think about that one. That is just powerful so as to have the Spirit of God within us. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and for the blessing we have received. We ask that you will continue to guide us and direct us and continue to allow us privilege to feast upon the riches of your word. And it will be well with our souls this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys, keep you guys, and cause this face to shine upon you. And I shall see you tomorrow for 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Take care now.